welcome to Wine, Dine, and 69, a podcast about dating, relationships, and sex. I'm Rachel Dalton, and here with me is my co-host, Anna Lovelace. Hello. As always, this is not a substitute for therapy, so please go ahead and get your therapist, although we will be talking about some theory today, yes. so know that. Yes. Uh, these are... This is uh, definitely some stuff that you can, it's, it's more like a, a, a terminology, right? So there are ideas oh, yeah. that you can definitely take and discuss with your therapist. Um, but, you know, don't take, take us as, as your therapy, <laughs> especially not I. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, how are you doing today? Oh, man. Uh, to be honest, there was like a good 10 minutes before... Uh, coming to record that I was like, do you like, do I think that I can record from my bed? And I was like, no, I, <laughs> I don't think I can. So if that lets you know where yeah. I'm at, that's kind of, kind of, oh, I'm, I'm literally sitting in my bed with like all of my equipment on pillows around me right now. So, but that's how I almost Damn. always record. <laughs> so that's nothing, nothing super special. I think I, uh, for the first episode that we recorded, I sat at my desk because I wanted to like, I don't know. I, I was like nervous and wanted to maintain like some professionalism or whatever. But by episode two, I was like, nope, back to uh, back to the bed. So yes. So I'm gonna have to take a page out of uh, out of your book there, and, and I need to sit up in bed because that's that's where I'm. Yeah, at. yeah. <laughs> I'm ready for that. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh... yeah. <laughs> yeah. How are uh, you? I'm doing okay. As I kind of said before we before we got on to. Uh, record uh i've been having a lot of issues sleeping lately uh because my building my next door neighbors were dealing with like a cockroach infestation um and the cockroaches decided to move over to my place much to my roommates Mm. and my disgust because we are both like anybody who knows us could tell you that we are both extremely neat people so um but sometimes it doesn't matter because if your neighbor isn't then you're kind of screwed yeah. so uh yeah and with with cockroaches come house centipedes who like to hunt the cockroaches oh, God. uh <laughs> which is like literally like you're describing this and i that is actually my yeah nightmare, so yeah so i i'm not sleeping well because a anxiety um b i'm just gonna be very upfront and honest and say that i've been sleeping with the lights on for the past like two months because they don't like the light and I stopped doing that for a while, but as soon as I stopped doing that, my roommate was like, oh, yeah, I woke up twice last week to um, the house centipedes crawling, like, down my arm. And Mm. so I was like, yep, nope, going back to sleeping with the lights on again, so. So I had, you know, I never had, like, a bug infestation, but we had mice. Mm. Um, I would take mice, quite honestly. Yeah, I I honestly think you're describing it, and I'm like, the mice were better because... Although they were in the house, like they are just bigger and they so rarely come into the bed with you. So <laughs> rarely. <laughs> so rarely. Uh, it's like less of a thing that you're worried about. But I feel like cockroaches and bugs, like they are just like next level rude yeah. and they just get yeah. in there. I yeah. do not. I do not appreciate it. And then on Sunday night, I had, I don't know what I was allergic to, but I started having an allergy attack um, where I couldn't really breathe and like I couldn't stop sneezing. Like everything was itchy. And so I took like uh-huh. two Benadryl and passed out. And then I started hallucinating, which has never happened to me before. But it was a mixture of my anxiety and hallucination because I started imagining like these like 
rodent fairy insect like things crawling oh my on God. my ceiling above my head which like just like it's that's just what it is and then i woke up today to a house centipede on the ceiling above above me so i'm just in the worst <laughs> yeah li- live in the dream also fun fact if you take too much um like antihistamine uh you can act like it, you, that's a full-on side effect you can hallucinate i've had clients in to like high level of care because they were like it like the hallucinations last oh so like that is well i'm glad it's not just me i only took two and that's how much i usually take so i don't know if like the anxiety just like exacerbated or what but uh yeah that's the first time i've ever i've ever uh hallucinated on on any history so (laughs) yeah Yeah. but that's uh that's my my life we're doing yeah. I was gonna say we, we sound, we're both doing real yeah. well, uh, and here here we go. It's September you know, now. To- September, <laughs> welcome. Yeah, September. Um. Well, I have a couple more things that listeners sent in that make them feel sexy. Um, okay. So let me. That'll brighten the mood. I'm I'm ready to hear those. Yeah, things. these are some good ones too. I really I'm really loving this. Um. All right. Someone said the fresh feeling after a face mask, which I think hmm. we discussed. Like the word fresh is like a word that's like used a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. Someone else said having my vagina be hairless like a bald eagle. <laughs> <laughs> which yeah. like, yeah, yeah I, I, uh, I can definitely see how that would be a thing. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Somebody said smelling good, perfume, cologne, etc. Uh, putting on a nightgown to feel a little more free and feel myself. Uh, swimming. Mm-hmm. Glitter and dancing. Okay, uh, and Along with that, red lipstick or toenail polish. Never fails. Even if you're wearing sweatpants, it's a quick pick-me-up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last one I'll talk about today is wearing clothes that accentuate a part of the body that I feel confident about. Yeah. And I thought that swimming was a really interesting one. I feel, well, I want to, I don't know if I'm allowed to ask, but is this person like an athlete? Because I align with that Hmm. very much of like the weightlifting bit that makes me feel really confident. Yeah, I guess like movement um, in general. And Mm -hmm. like, I guess like water is kind of, I don't know. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, this person is very like uh, strong, like has a lot of strength mm-hmm. and definitely works out more than I do. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know if they would classify themselves as an athlete, but they they are are active. Active. Okay. Okay. So. So then, I have I don't have sexy things, but I have from our last episode of like. It's not necessarily people asking for advice, but it's people kind of just that were expressing to me um, things that were difficult. And actually, both of them were surrounding sex and both of them come from um, lesbian couples. (laughs) So the first and it's, you know, it's funny because this person I'm close with them, but this was probably really upsetting in the moment. Um you know, going down on their partner for the first time to the, which they had never done before. Right. And it was this thing of like feeling really insecure that they're not 
good or they're not pleasing their partner but in reality like their partner was under a lot of stress um so maybe wasn't having the reaction that they were wanting and it was just like it was just kind of this thing that wasn't like spoken about right so like the partner was under a lot of stress so it was difficult to like have that same amount of arousal and then the other partner was new to like going down on women so like that combination of like not knowing where each person was at caused like this really like sad thing but you know she was telling me the story and she was like yeah I was going down on her and uh you know I was crying and I was like you didn't stop She's like, no, I just did it. And then I came up and was crying. Aww. And then the other partner asked what, you know, what, what's going on? Like, I, you are clearly crying. What's happening? And, you know, it ended up being totally, totally fine because they, you know, engaged to be married and are a fantastic couple. Um, and they can also tell that story while both laughing. Sure, sure. So that also tells me something. But yeah, they're... Uh, the one in particular was like, yeah, I felt really bad about myself of like that I wasn't good at this and that I wasn't like able to like please her and it was super stressful. And then the other partner, like, I think still to this day, it's difficult for most of us. Like, if there's something really stressful happening, it is really hard to get into Absolutely. the mood. And I think both of those, yeah, and, and both of those things are super like vulnerable conversations. So, that was like a conversation that they told me that was a very, very difficult to have. Yeah, I can imagine so that um, it just goes to show you, though, that like sometimes I'll go to somebody and I'll be like, hey, like, are you mad at me because blah, blah, blah. And they'll be like, no, like I have my own shit going on. Like <laughs> my right. partner always says, like, not everything is about you, Rachel. And <laughs> he's right. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, that's that sounds really, really tough. But I'm glad that they you know worked it out. Yeah, yeah. And then the second one, so also a lesbian couple, um, was surrounding using a strap-on. So I think that there is a particular, and I can also like identify with this feeling of uh, when a partner asks, and maybe this is not part of the sex that you've been having, when a partner asks to bring in a strap-on, I, I do think that there can be this sort of insecurity of like, oh, right. am, I, am I not doing enough? Or or do you want a man? Or like, what does this mean? Um, so I think it's particularly difficult to ask for those things. But in this time, in this couple, um, the person asked and it just so happened that the partner was like, yeah, I actually had been meaning to bring that up with you. That sounds great. And it was this very easy great. thing that happened. But yeah, the one partner did kind of like have a little bit of I'm scared to ask for this thing um but it ended up being this like really like easy conversation well I love that like at the end of the day like this person went into it that's the thing this person went into it being aware I'm afraid to ask for this because I don't want this person's feelings to get hurt or think that they're not enough Mm -hmm. for me and I think that like that I mean that kind of goes along with what we were talking about like always being on the same team right this person is going in right and they're having a conversation and they're saying they're going in already aware before they even start the conversation. They're going in aware of how their partner might feel. Yeah. Which is like, kind. yeah, it really is. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I love all of that. Yeah. Those are my two. And I think it just, I, I think we, I was kind of like told these things because it's just, first of all, you never know how your partner is going to respond. So having, you know, best intent in mind and, 
also yeah like particularly sex is just a difficult topic to talk about and it is also a necessary thing to talk yeah, about definitely so. and uh the more you know uh that you're able to talk about it with your partner that you're able to talk about it uh you know with friends or even just like you know being able to write about it or think about it yourself the more comfortable it's going to be and the better it's going to get right right and the easier it gets like the more you talk about it the easier it gets to be able to talk about it definitely um well what are we talking about today oh man we are talking about um attachment right? attachment theory i guess um and i'm gonna tell you and everyone now that i'm going to do this like uh quick and dirty like it is not going to be by any means an in-depth explanation of attachment but i do think Um, that um (laughs) when we discuss attachment theory like for the first few episodes i think what we're kind of doing is we're laying the groundwork with a lot of topics and a lot of uh like technical or uh I don't know, like what have you that we're going to be referencing throughout the entire run of this podcast. So this is just a little like intro to it. But I mean, attachment styles, I mean, we were even talking last week, it comes up in communication, it comes up in dating, it it comes up in everything. So there's just a little yes. a little intro episode um, to something that's going to come up over and over and over again, just like please go to therapy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, correct. Yeah. And then I, you know, I have like little things pulled up on my my laptop so I can I can properly do it versus giving my like very loose structure sure. um, well yeah you essentially the, like... the therapist uh, approach everything that you've got <laughs> yeah yeah but just literally like looking at attachment theory is just looking at our relationships between other human beings right so essentially and I'll read the literally direct sentence the most important tenant is that young children need to develop a relationship with at least one primary caregiver for normal social and emotional development. So like, essentially, it's just saying that however we develop who we are around when we're younger, it, you know, change who we are and shape who we are as adults. Which I'm sure you all have heard at some time. Or- oh, yeah. And I feel like most of therapy is, what was your relationship with your primary caregiver? <laughs> yeah i feel like that is a very classic thing and you know it's funny i feel like a lot of people hate that and they're like i just want to deal with my anxiety about this fucking thing that's happening and i'm just like okay yes first we're gonna do that and we're gonna make sure you're okay every single day and then we have to get to the root of it talk about the things (laughs) that are like affecting this these anxieties affecting your relationships with others it is essentially a little bit unavoidable uh, unfortunately, for those of you who who want to try and avoid things like that, it is a little bit hard to. Yeah, no, it's a uh, it's one of the main tenets of therapy, I would say. Yeah, well, yeah, it, it definitely is, especially if you have like someone who likes systems or someone who likes attachment theory or someone who likes psychodynamic like there are some definitely schools of thought that that do it more than others but yeah for sure okay so there so so we'll get yeah, into let's it let's do it there are four, <laughs> there are four different types of attachment style um i always like to start with secure attachment because it is the easiest to explain uh and i also like to say <laughs> Well, I'll get to it. So a secure attachment 
is essentially the parental style you're going to have that will help you get to secure attachment would be like aligned with the child in tune with the child's emotion the resulting adult characteristics would be able to create meaningful relationships empathetic able to set appropriate boundaries um yeah believes and trusts that his or her needs will be met uh confident resilient things like that it's a lot of like what i think people want to strive for yeah, of course. Yeah, secure attachment is, uh, you know, air quotes. You can't see me doing air quotes, but air quotes like uh, our ideal or our healthy relationship. But I do want to say this: of if you are not there yet, that doesn't mean anything negative. Oh, holy shit! It's no, just, like <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> I, you know, I say this a lot to my clients: of like, this is secure attachment. I'm not sure if I know anyone. Mm-hmm. Who actually is this all of the time <laughs> like literally I yeah don't I one know. of my friends said that I was secure attachment and I was like that is so sweet of you to say that is incorrect but um <laughs> you are wrong <laughs> uh, I, I mean and you know uh sometimes sometimes I I think I definitely strive for that but sometimes I'm I'm not you know um mm-hmm. I think I'm I think I'm yeah. actually an anxious attachment style who is masquerading as an avoidant <laughs> yeah to which we will get into the definitions of those but yeah so also recognizing that you know you can be secure in one relationship and then avoidance yes definitely else in another and um it can be different for like romantic partners versus friends versus parents like these things are i think that's a i think that's a really good point i think i'm very secure in my romantic relationship but in my friendships i because of baggage that i have i'm very uh, very much anxious yeah so it's really just like being accepting of yourself of like these things may change with who i'm with so that's secure (laughs) so we'll move on to uh let's do avoidant so the parental style would be unavailable or Mm -hmm. rejecting um and i think this sounds outwardly like mean and cold but i also think it can be very much of um like a divorce like you just don't have one of those parents around and maybe it's not outwardly rejecting but as a child it definitely kind of feels that way um so i think avoidant can an avoidant parent it doesn't have to be malicious but i think as a child that's kind of how you take it of like that you know why didn't they want to be yeah or you think uh about like latchkey kids like you know if there's a parent that it has has a job or maybe they're a single parent they have to work late and they're this kid you know has to learn how Mm -hmm. to take care of themselves a little bit um yeah they have to learn how to be more self-reliant and you know while they get used to it there might be this part internally that's like well why don't my parents want to be here you know yeah i don't know i completely agree i think that is a great example so the resulting adult (laughs) would be one who avoids closeness or emotional connection, uh, someone who's distant or critical or rigid, uh, rigid or intolerant. Also, yeah, subconsciously believes that his or her needs probably won't be met and tends towards isolation. Yeah, and emotionally distant. So this is the, this is how I describe it usually. Like, this is the person who is in a relationship, it's just easiest to, to, to do emotional, uh, I mean, romantic yeah, relationships. Yeah, but it can be this. anything. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, in a relationship with her. Yeah, it's a friendship, romantic relationship. And there's like this sense of they're going to leave me, so I'm going to leave them first. Or or you, you have a breakup and it's very much of like, well, I didn't need them anyway. I'm so much better off. Like, it's very much of like this almost rejecting of like, I was never connected to them anyway, so it doesn't really matter yeah. to me. Mm-hmm. So that one, I find a lot of people identify with that in particular, and they're like, oh God, like this is me. And it, honestly, it is my favorite thing for me to go through these and and be with a client or be with a, a group. And I can see the, the, the facial expression of like knowing, like, oh shit. Like, <laughs> Call the is- fuck out. <laughs> Yeah, it is a very distinct look of like looking down and then like their mouth kind of opens and they look like scared. Um, But it is that realization of like, oh, this makes a lot of sense now. Okay, so that's avoidant. The next we'll do, um, and also some, depending on who you talk to, uh, these are sometimes called different things. Um, so avoidant has also been called dismissive, yes. um, and we'll go into anxious, which has also been called, uh, which I honestly don't feel like makes a ton of sense, but it also is called ambivalent. Um, or you would say anxious preoccupied. Sure. Like, yeah. I've never, I've never preferred that, that title for it either. I, I think anxious makes a lot more sense just to like mm-hmm. general public. Right. Right. I agree. Okay. So the parental style for anxious, uh, would be inconsistent, sometimes intrusive parent communication. So it's kind of this one I do relate to like an all or nothing approach or like uh, a helicopter parent, someone who's kind of intrusive, not very good with boundaries, um, but also inconsistent at times. So the resulting adult is someone who is anxious and insecure Controlling, blaming, erratic, unpredictable, sometimes... Anna, why are you attacking me? <laughs> sometimes charming is also... Uh, cannot rely on his or her own needs being met. And emotional. Um, yeah, okay. So those would be that. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah, yeah. One. And like uh, definitely... Um, I'm, you know, I'm looking at a basic chart too, you know, uh, just to remind mm-hmm. myself of each of these. Like um, a big yeah. one that I can see with anxious attachment style is acting out. Yeah. 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 That one also goes with the disorganized or chaotic yes, as well. Yes, for sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so this is the one where you see a lot of um, needing re- reassurance. Mm-hmm of you know this person is caring for you is also like always answering your phone calls always like consistently there for you yet for some reason it just doesn't feel right. like enough so we're starting to like control movement or we're asking a lot of questions or we're kind of needing a little bit more from them um just that that sort of insecurity that we have that we are kind of projecting onto them that makes sense to me. Yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting yeah. <laughs> going through these, you know, it's interesting like looking at them um, myself, but then hearing you describe them. It's like, oh, I relate yeah. to like aspects of all of these, really. 
Yeah, and that's another thing. I honestly hear that a lot of like, oh, there are times where I am for sure this, and then there are times where I am this, and like, sometimes it really depends person to person. Okay, so get to disorganized, and also this one is called like chaotic disorganized. Uh, So the parental style would be they were ignored or didn't see the child's needs. Parental behavior was frightening or traumatizing. Uh, So I see this in regards to abuse. I see this in regards to uh, like drug use. And sometimes I see this in regards to, you know, and and this is no judgment, uh, right or wrong. Like I don't assign. No, not at all. Meaning you're going based on the data that you have witnessed. mm -hmm. And then also I would say some severe mental health of a parent. Definitely. Uh, So then the resulting adult characteristics are chaotic, insensitive, explosive, abusive, untrusting, even while craving security. Um, So this is severely confused with no strategy to have his or her needs met. So it's just kind of like, (laughs) this is the, this is what I call like the push pull person, right? Like I crave attachment and connection but when someone gets close to me, I have this sort of like, I need to push you away. I am, you know, not comfortable with this. Like, I'm a self-sabotage. I can't handle this closeness. That's sort of like not exactly knowing how to get their needs met and, and kind of struggling through relationships. Sure. Yeah. I uh, definitely have seen that before. Yeah. So that's kind of an like, overview. Yeah. Yeah. Like a brief explanation. Uh, yeah. A little overview of each of them. And it's funny how like different people, I think, can teach you to like overcome different aspects of them. So like, you know, mm-hmm. I said earlier, I think that uh, I, I am an anxious masquerading as an, as an avoidant. Um, <laughs> but like, I don't know, like I feel like in my romantic relationship, I am secure most of the time um yeah but definitely in the beginning of this relationship I was anxious attachment but I was like I absolutely am going to I mean it's like I said last week I often take the tactic of like the person who appears to care less wins Mm -hmm. and so that's definitely an avoidant tactic but that's not that's not necessarily how I feel it's just the tactic that I take to cope (laughs) But, you know, it's funny, too, because I'm like, oh, in my in my romantic relationship now, you know, you know, a certain amount of time has passed and I feel incredibly secure, Um, you know, but in other areas of my life, I definitely am anxious Uh, and in other areas I'm avoidant. So it's it's funny. I definitely had chaotic moments when I was like a teenager, but I feel like that's par for the course in many ways. Yeah. Yeah. Your hormones are just like all the fucking over the place. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and you know it's funny when I talk to my clients now um I I very much like very classic avoidant attachment for most of my life um and when I talk to them or I tell them that experience they don't ever believe me because they're like but you're so nice and you're a therapist and <laughs> and I'm, yeah and I'm a therapist um and it's just kind of like I, you know, I am now. Sure. Like, <laughs> you know, I I have developed like being a healthy person, and also, you know, 
I deeply care for my clients, but with other people, they're like 100%. I'm probably much more protective and less vulnerable and less maybe even caring than I am to my clients. (laughs) Yeah, because I mean, it's, I mean, in that situation, it's you and your personal life creating personal connections versus, you know, um, not that you don't care about your your clients, but in many ways, therapy is is a transaction, right? Like, so you know, you're you're going in and you're getting help from this person, and this person cares about you on some level. Hopefully, they do if you have a good therapist. <laughs> um, mm-hmm, yeah. You know, at, but at the end of the day, like, therapy is when you're a client. Okay, I'm gonna switch this around because I don't want this to sound judgmental. When you're a therapist, <laughs> you're giving you're giving more than you're getting. And that's the way that it works. Correct. And that doesn't mean, again, like this was like, that doesn't mean that you're wrong for going to a therapist and dumping. Like that's literally what the therapist is there for. That's my job. Yeah. So (laughs) So. 100%. Like it is not my job. It is not my job. It is not what I'm supposed to do to like give information about myself. Like you go to a therapist for you to have space for you. Mm, definitely. It's like, as we've talked about, like uh, a form of self-care. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so I think that anyone has the potential to work on these things. And I think, like you kind of said, in relationships that are healthier, we kind of can grow with our partner um, and maybe those avoidant things or those anxious things become a little less of something we need to do. And we tend to be closer to like that secure attachment um, where we like speak openly and we don't need reassurance. And we also express closeness without like a fear of, yeah, I'm being too vulnerable. Right. I need to back up. Yeah. I like this person less. Yeah. Yeah. But it's definitely a process and it takes time and it takes work and a lot of focus too. Um, that's definitely not, and it takes, I don't know, like, I think that, and again, this is, you know, going to romantic relationships, but I feel like there's a natural arc, you know, um, I think that it makes sense to be for like, for you to be secure right away. I can see how that'd be really, really difficult. I imagine that most people have trouble with that because you just met this person. You don't really know them. Um, you don't know if you can trust them. Right. Yeah. And I think. With that, there has to be a balance, right? Because I do think, uh, you know, attachment styles do go hand in hand with boundaries of, you know, we shouldn't be so far removed that our our person doesn't know who we are after four months, you know, in that very avoidant attachment style or maybe that anxious or, or less boundary person, right? dumps everything they've ever felt on a person within the first hour of the first date, right? Like right. there is a balance of, of a boundary and to a certain extent, you know, feeling safe and safe with yourself and safe with this other person. And then I think it gets a little bit. Yeah. Easier. You like, you definitely have to feel it. Secure. It's like trying to fit into a pair of skinny jeans, <laughs> which I have not worn <laughs> since March 14th. <laughs> Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I definitely I think that as you're meeting somebody coming up with a balance, it's funny, too, that like, you know, um, just as a personal anecdote, like I feel like my entire 20s was so focused on like romantic stuff 
like dealing mm-hmm. with like trauma and then like dealing with breakups and dealing with whatever, you know. And then now that I'm in this healthy relationship, I turned around and I was like, oh, fuck. Like I'm 30 and I have like friendship baggage that I have not even thought about because I was so busy dealing with this other shit. Um, right. And so it's funny, like <laughs> earlier this year, I was just dealing with such cr- – it's actually the reason I went back to therapy is I was dealing with like crippling anxiety surrounding my friendships and just like – Worrying that I wasn't a good friend, worrying that like I was setting too many boundaries, worried that whatever, like lots of different things um, that goes back to uh, being bullied in middle school. In all honesty, that shit stays with you. Um, And it definitely caused me to be an anxious friend. Um, I'm always worrying if people are mad at me. And so I just straight up said to my friends uh, like earlier this year, I was like, hey, if you're ever mad at me, please just come tell me. I don't want to worry and like deal with passive aggressive stuff and worry about people coming to me and thinking that they're mad at me or giving me a silent treatment. I literally cannot handle it. I cannot. Yeah. So just please make me a promise that if I upset you, please just come to me and like do it in a kind and loving way. And I'm sure I never meant to hurt you, you know? Um, right. Right. So I think that uh, it's definitely like I, I used to look at attachment styles and be like, oh, what am I in terms of this relationship um, with this person? But now it's like, oh, like, how do I how do I fit in my friendships with this? Yeah. Well, and I think it I mean, it, it shows everywhere because like an avoidant way with friends. Right. That sort of attachment would look like we've had a conflict and now I have to end the friendship versus like working on this conflict. Well, that's like what fucking scarred me. Like as a kid was I had these friends and it was like a typical frenemy relationship where like one thing would happen and like usually it wasn't, usually they were looking for an excuse to start drama. Let's be real. Middle school girls are awful. Um, Yeah. yeah. And middle schoolers. Yeah. Just awful. Just awful. (laughs) Um, They would like just like look for a reason to get mad at me and then wouldn't talk to me for like three months. And then out of nowhere, they decide to be my friend again. Right. Um, And it's like I'm 30 now and it's like I shouldn't be worried about that from my adult friends who are also in their late 20s, early 30s, you know, um, like 30s in general. Um, Yeah. Well, and there's the concept of like um, trusting that someone else will come to you if they are not okay. There's like this deep yeah. thing of like, I have to trust that other people can take care of themselves. And part of that would be coming yeah. to me. With and a I problem. guess like, that's my problem is I just, I just don't trust that people will do that. Mm-hmm. But that's like, I, I really believe to my core that also comes from that attachment theory because if we had caretakers or we grew up in a certain position where the parent couldn't take care of themselves or didn't take care of themselves, or we were left to take care of ourselves. So we, you know, we separate ourselves from others and like how that works is I think we kind of, or sometimes left to to take care of the parent in some ways. Oh, most definitely. And we develop this thing of like, I do not, trust that others can take care of themselves let alone me like i i now am i i have to be anxious i have to be worrying because how i grew up is i always had to take care of my parent and i see this a lot particularly with severe mental parents who have severe mental health or parents who have um addiction uh most most often 
um, addiction, especially sure. of, uh, you know, I came home and I came, I came home, like I had to get myself home. And then also on top of that, like I had to come home and take care of my parent and make sure, you know, this is essentially like a little bit of like an intense topic, uh, but make sure they yeah. were okay. Make sure they were alive. Um, I kind of want to go back to, uh, chaotic and kind of work back from there because that one just seems to be the most Mm -hmm. I mean literally all over the place but I kind of like want to talk about um in attachment styles what one can do depending on that attachment style to like start working towards um trying to reach a little bit more of a secure yeah that's actually like very funny because I was gonna say this of I always present this information and then the first question I always get is, okay, now then how do I change that? Right, right, right. I mean, that's, I mean, I find that that's like the biggest thing. People are like, well, you can like change like how you do things. I'm like, but how? Like give me like a manual of how to walk things through. Right. And like quite literally, there is not one. So this will look different for literally Mm -hmm. every single person. Um, it does look a little bit like, okay, if there is that past trauma, especially with the chaotic, it's looking like, okay, what led me to feel this sure. way? You know, what are my core beliefs? Like those core beliefs of like, I don't trust people to take care of themselves. I don't trust people to be honest with me because of my past experiences. So addressing those beliefs and putting them into context of right now. So, right, it's looking like, okay, what are the facts of my life versus like how I feel due to my, my trauma or my past. So it's for, for, for me personally, it was very much separating. Like this is not a quality that I want anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was identifying, identifying those thoughts that I knew were, were clearly avoidant or clearly due to my past as separate from me of like okay these this is not my thought this is not who I want to be anymore so what do I do in this situation of how to move forward and most of the time it's like leaning into being vulnerable but I would say that that's more for that avoidant so for the the anxious it would be okay leaning into comforting myself or finding assurance in myself or for chaotic I think it's a little bit more difficult because depending on the emotion that's coming up uh i mean it could vary but i honestly think with that one it's like seeking safety yeah Yeah, like seeking like a safe harbor and uh learning that like that's going to come from within yourself rather than from anything external Mm -hmm. and especially if there's if there's trauma it's maybe honestly trauma has maybe been going on since birth like what does safety even right. feel like now and, and and unlearning and that's why there's a lot of therapies that do specific trauma th- work because it is incredibly difficult to even conceptualize what feels safe when you've never had it definitely yeah um and i think too like it's really important i i'm such i'm i'm so focused on you know therapy and and um making myself better and self help and um like the entire world of just like, okay, well, what can I do to make myself better in this way? What can I do? And I think it's really important to like for other people who might be like me, take a pause and just remind yourself that you need to be gentle with yourself and that like it's okay to be present and be how you are right now and it's okay to have goals to change and to like quote unquote better yourself, but 
we're gonna, that's going to be an entire life's work, right? It's not going to be something that you're right. done with when you hit a certain age and then you live that way <laughs> for your entire life. So, you know, just be comfortable being being you um, because I definitely like yeah. you're never going to be able to escape it. Yeah. Well, I honestly think that is a super, super important point to bring up. Um, and a lot of therapy will say this of like, there is no moving forward or changing until you accept who you are for better or for worse, right? Like, no matter what, my start is accepting where I'm at and loving myself. And this is like uh, a tall order, but like loving myself enough to just be like, you know what? This is where I'm at. Maybe I don't love every single piece and maybe I'm going to work on changing these things, but I am okay with yeah. myself. And then we can do the work and then we can move forward. And I always tell this to people like, there's no rushing in therapy. There's no rush to, to like become actualized because first of all, that is very unattainable and like perfection will never happen. And to like self-actualize is like, <laughs> maybe we have glimpses yeah. of moments, but that is, that's not a realistic goal. Um, so yeah, like you said, it's being gentle with yourself and it's, and it's knowing that like, what else is life for other than getting to yeah. know yourself and, and creating connection, like proud of also. yourself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the best way to do that is to be connected with who you are. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's not like panicking. It's this thing that you have to rush towards. It's just this thing of like, okay, we're going to get through this together and we're going to, basically we're going to figure out how to make life a little bit easier. Like with every year that you're in therapy, it will maybe marginally hurt a little bit yeah. less or it will at least be different. It's funny because it's like, I think about things that happened when I was, you know, 17 and I was like, I'm never going to get over this. This is always going to be the most painful thing. And now I'm like, oh, like what, whatever. Like, um, <laughs> and I do think that like, therapy gives you coping mechanisms and it gives you ways mm -hmm. of healing so that you're not just like shoving emotions down further and further yeah yes which is something that i think a lot of people think they're good at but in reality like um there's always this chimney analogy if the top of the chimney is blocked those emotions are going to find that like that smoke is going to yeah. find another way yep. out <laughs> we don't we don't get to like put emotions in our body and just be like okay i'm fine forever just like shoving this deep down in me like it will come up whether it is in an outburst or it is in like an addiction to work or it is like agitation like it comes out whether we like it or not yeah i'm well acquainted with that i'm a pretty even and measured person but i get like very angry maybe only like once or twice a year and it's usually be it's usually because I haven't communicated something that I've should have communicated earlier um right. and I'm being right. I'm being avoidant because it's funny how a lot of these like lean into each other I'm being avoidant because mm -hmm. I'm anxious of what not being avoidant could bring yeah like you're you're anxious over the outcome right. of like potentially losing this person and then there's that avoidance and then there's the anger and then there is like 
potentially not like in regards to you, but like this can lead to resentment. Like a blow up, yeah. To a conversation, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I um, am well up. But it, it is funny how like your fears can lead you to – like so people who have an avoidant attachment, mm-hmm. would you say that in some cases, most cases, few cases – that there is some anxiety underneath that? Oh, I would I would go even further. It's, it's not even anxiety. It is very much of like a fear of being hurt. It's a fear of getting close to someone because, you know, we're, we're worried about self-preservation because we have been hurt in the past, right? Like it's this feeling of, so our caretakers were not always present or it felt that way, whatever it was. And so now, if in our in our brains, like we're smart people, right? Like we are all, our brains are, are intelligent. So we learn that like, if I get close to someone, I will get hurt. Right. So it's even more than it's, it, it is anxiety, of course, on the, on the more surfacey level. But when you get d- deep into it, it's very much a fear of, of connection. And being seen. Now, what would you say um, – I feel like I'm just, like, interviewing you right now. But what would you say <laughs> if um, – so, like, let's say that there's a person and they have different relationships with each parent. Let's say that they had, like, a chaotic relationship with one parent and an anxious attachment with another or a secure attachment with one and a um, avoidant with another or an avoidant with one parent and an anxious with another. Like, what does – what can that sometimes look like if you had different – does it usually come out as, like, a mixture of different attachment styles or is, like, one more predominant? You know, it's funny. It's – it literally could be all of the above. Like, it could be that if you have one secure and one avoidant, that you come out secure because you had the deeper connection. You still have that person there. Or, for whatever reason, that one avoidant parent makes, like, more of an impact. So you kind of do that you know, avoidant attachment, right? It, it works the same for anxious or chaotic. So either you could get one or the other, or you could display a mixture okay. of them. It, yeah, it's kind of like, it's kind of random. It, and, you know, it's and it's particularly interesting to look at siblings in that case of, you know, they had the same parents, they had the same upbringing, but the attachment style is different. And I, I think it's just because like, genetically, like, we're going to be different and we're going to react to things differently. And sometimes a human being is just more predisposed towards something than the other. I think it's interesting too. I'm like looking at, you you know, you talked about siblings made me think I have two brothers and I'm not going to out them and Mm -hmm. say which one, which attachment style I think that they are or not. (laughs) Um, But it made me think about the fact they're brothers. Um, And like, is there, do you ever notice I don't know, like, does gender ever have something to do with that? Like, how somebody identifies, does that have anything to do with, like, the attachment styles that you see? Uh, you know, it is funny. And the and, and this is purely based on what I have seen in my clients um, and not in science. So I, I want to say that now. But from my experience... Um, women are more comfortable identifying as any of them. Like they'll just kind of be like, oh yeah, I'm this or I'm this, I'm this. Men have a very difficult time in my experience with my clients um, identifying as anxious, Mm 
um, because they perceive it to be or needy. weaker, yeah, um, or weak exactly. <laughs> so there's this want to be, uh, you know, that avoidant attachment, and I'm just kind of like, well, neither neither are like super super healthy. So <laughs> so we should yeah, talk about that, yeah. but um, but that is like the only thing that I've seen. Um, if we're looking at like that, that binary separation of gender, like that I've seen with men in particular is they don't want to admit that they need reassurance from their mm-hmm. partner. But I, and I would also say that their reassurance does look different. Um, and it does look a little bit more, I would say controlling. Yeah, that makes sense to me. That's, um, I definitely, I feel like like you said, like women, women in general are, seem to be a little bit more comfortable just being like, I identify as this or I identify as this. I think mm-hmm. um, of the women that I know, I don't even know if I could put a number on it. I would say more than 50% are anxious, but there's still a pretty high number of avoidant in there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but then with the men, I see um, it's the opposite. It's like, over 50% is avoidant with, um, you know, a little bit of anxious. Right. Yeah. And, or at least it like appears that way because I do think there is this sort of like gender binary role thing of like asking for what you need is, is weak or feminine in, in reality. Like that is a, like, that is a good skill that all of us need to have, um, you know, whatever gender we identify as. I think that's, um, yeah, just, I feel like, uh, I don't even know if I find this fascinating. I feel like I'm just getting questions answered that I'm thinking of on the spot. (laughs) Hopefully other people find it interesting as well. Um, but yeah, I, I've always been like one of those people who really enjoys, um, it's dumb too. Like, I love like the little tests, like what Myers-Briggs are you? What's your Enneagram? Like, you know, what's your Zodiac sign? And, like, it's funny because, like, nobody really fits into one box. You know what I mean? But right. I think there's this part of me that's that's very interested in, like, these designations and how how people fit into these designations. But what I've really enjoyed about this conversation is that, you know, I, I feel like I'm, like, I really want to be classified as, like, you know, one of these attachment styles. But it's like, well, mm-hmm. you're probably a mixture of – a few if not all of them you know right um and that's that's okay um so I I think that's like been a really interesting takeaway for me is that you're not just one attachment style carte Mm -hmm. blanche yeah but it's it doesn't it never gets to be that simple (laughs) good or bad like us as human beings we are not simple we like it's not so easy to be able to put people into boxes. And I think there's just some sort of like obsession with being able for, well, I'll speak to what I know in America, there's this obsession of like being able to put people mm-hmm. in the boxes. And when we can't, it's like distressing yeah. or, or fearful. And it's just kind of like, no, like everything, like everything is a mixture. Nothing is as simple as putting in someone to, into one yeah. box, particularly with this. As my dad of, says, um, everything, ev- things are very rarely black and white. It's usually always shades of gray. Yeah. Um, so right. I think that that like really encapsulate. And I think I've talked with the guys on No Avatars Allowed about this. I think that people's interest in um, like 
being put into boxes or being put into designated groups can also come from just this this desire to belong mm-hmm. that um people have yeah and i well and i also want to say this of like um i think to a certain extent you know certain identify identities 100 a million percent need to be honored and absolutely uh, do need to be t- talked about because they're they have been marginalized yes. and this you know certain groups do need to be lifted up but in particular with this subject um there is not one space we usually mm-hmm. occupy and mm-hmm. i also think it's different when we are stressed or we are in a global pandemic or <laughs> you know outside factors play a role on how we attach as well definitely yeah, I feel like I've learned a lot. Like it's 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 fun. <laughs> like I, I I feel like that's what's really interesting too is like we're coming into this, you know, I you're you have this therapy background. I have a background of being in therapy since I was essentially like mm-hmm. 6 years old. You know, um and and you know liking to think about these things, but I still feel like I'm like all right, like I'm I want to learn new things and you know as we've talked about we want to have uh people on at some point who um mm-hmm. can give us different viewpoints on things and I actually uh have had a couple of people reach out with some ideas for future episodes. Um, and even, uh, a couple people who were like, I'd talk about this if you, you know, care to hear how I feel about it. So, um, I would not hate getting those people signed on. Yeah, that would be amazing. And I, yeah, like I, I I said, I feel like the last time of like the more point of views, the better. (laughs) I just posted something on my Instagram today that was about, um, empathy and the best way that you can have radical empathy is to hear another person's point of view even if you don't necessarily agree with that point of view um once you are being empathetic to another human being you can't look back Mm. yeah i find that there's a great need for empathy right now (laughs) there is um, well, do we yeah. want to do a call out? Did we want to ask, like, do people want to, um, I don't necessarily feel like people are going to want to write in saying, I identify as this attachment. Yeah. <laughs> and that kind of goes against everything, <laughs> everything that we just said. Um, but right. yeah, like write us in with, uh, maybe questions about attachment style. If, you know, I didn't mm-hmm. think of any, um, to ask Anna while we were recording, um, continue to send us in things that make you feel sexy. Uh, if you ever have had a tough yeah. conversation in a relationship that required communication, uh, you know, let us know how that went um, and how you dealt with it. Um, and if you have any other questions that you want us to to get to, um, we have, I think, like our first like five to seven episodes mapped out. But after that, we're going to be uh, going a little rogue. So yeah, <laughs> suggestions are welcome. Hmm. yeah well other than that i think uh that's yeah. probably all it. right well uh everybody thank you for being here and um this has been wine dine in 69 with anna lovelace and myself rachel dalton and let's keep talking mm-hmm.
Thank you.